You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt and not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. All right, everybody, we're just going to shoot from the hip on this entire episode. We're doing another really quick, short episode uh, in hopes that you guys can listen to this on your way to the tree stand or or you're you know, counting down the minutes at work before you can get out and start your rut vacation, whether that's this week, whether it's next week. Um, but what this episode is going to be about is what I'm going to be doing. Again, just like last Friday, this these tactics, these strategies are what I personally am going to be doing in the upcoming week, right? Uh, this, for some reason, I, I had to write this note down. And this note says, just because it's November 1st doesn't mean it's the rut, okay? And in my experiences, this, even the first three or four days of November sometimes to me really feels like it's a 
uh, it's still pre-rut, right? The the big bucks are on their feet. Um, they are laying down a lot of sign. There, there's really not a lot of chasing going on in my book, in in, in my past experiences. So um, I still feel like this first couple days of November are still considered the pre-rut. So any any type of pre-rut strategy is still going to be in play this weekend. Um, and But I like to, as we get closer to this November time frame, I like to step it up. And because I'm going to be covering what I'm going to be doing all of next week as well, um, this is like a good transition period from hunting, you know, st- strictly staging areas or fresh sign, I start doing a couple other things, and uh, I'm going to talk about that on today's episode. We got to do a commercial real quick before we start getting into it, though. Uh, Ozonics, right? And honestly, Ozonics uh, plays a huge part in my daily routine when I'm out on my daily rut grind, right? So I run a, uh, a dry wash bag cycle with all of my clothes in it before I go out into the timber. Uh, I don't sit all day, so let's say I come home for lunch. I, While I'm eating lunch or doing some work, I'll run another cycle. I get all the, you know, the griminess and uh, odor off of my, off my clothes. I'll run a short cycle before I head out for the evening hunt, and then I'll run a, uh, another cycle in the evening uh, before, you know, before the morning hunt. And, uh, that pretty much covers all my bases for, for my clothes. And that's why I'm able to get away with washing my clothes less during the hunting season, unless there's blood on it or unless there's like mud or they get really wet or dirty for some, for some reason, I'm actually, uh, just running dry wash cycles, uh, to, you know, clean the odor out, out of my clothes. And, Man, there's days where I feel invisible walking into the woods. That ozone definitely does its job. And then obviously it has its in-the-tree applications as well. So if you want to find out more information about Ozonics, you need to check out their website, ozonicshunting.com, and uh, check out all their all their units, right? We have their uh, Orion we have the, which is the HR 300. We have the HR 230. Uh, there's a couple other uh, options as well. And uh, ozonicshunting.com. And if you guys want to get a free dry wash bag with your purchase, enter the discount code NFC19 and you'll get a free dry wash bag with your purchase of a unit. And uh, dude, I'm telling you right now, if even if you don't buy one, Go and borrow one from a buddy for this uh, upcoming rut. See if you can't uh, get it out of their hands for a hunt or two and, and see how you like it. I'm I'm a huge fan. So, All right, so I'm looking at my notes here of all the things I really want to quickly uh, talk about. And like I said, the first, the first handful of days leading up until like the 5th, 6th, I feel is when it starts to get really good in November and then further on down the line. I really think that this the the sign is going to be still popping up the the fresh rubs the fresh scrapes they're they're still something that you may need to pay attention to um, and play 
the wind accordingly to where you find that, right? If you find a, a fresh scrape, just remember still a lot of rubs and scrapes are, are made nocturnally, but it's a good indication that deer have been there. Now, if you run trail cameras, throwing a trail camera over top of a fresh rub or a fresh scrape may help you uh, locate a, a shooter buck and, and shooter is in quotes because that's whatever you want it to be. Um, but for me, what I'm really doing is I'm monitoring my trail cameras. And I, at this time of year, I start to check them more often and more often and more often to the hopes of checking a trail camera and then making a move on a deer that's in that area immediately. So if I, let's say, see a buck uh, that morning, I, or the, the previous morning. And that means that I am going to get in there. I'm going to set up a stand somewhere in that location near that trail camera. Um, basically what I would do is if I, if I got a picture on a rub or a scrape pinch point travel corridor, I'm going to set up a tree stand in that area based off of terrain features that dictate deer movement. All right. So that is, that's how I like to run my cycle, right? So my cycle is this. Check trail cameras. Let the trail cameras tell you where the deer are at, right? Now, sometimes you can get away with a couple trail cameras. I have, I'm going to be running in the peak of my cycle. When I'm hunting the peak of the rut, I'll probably have... 12 trail cameras that are covering somewhere around 1100 acres. All right. And that's all permission hunting, right? So, um, if I find a buck, I want to go after, I will go after that buck until he disappears or I have a, a positive or a negative encounter with him and I'll keep hunting him until I have lost faith in that buck that he's in the area. So then I move on to the, I'll check my trail cameras again. Oh, there's another buck. Do the same thing with that buck. And I try what I try to do is run this cycle where I'm checking trail cameras, I make a move, I have positive or negative encounters, and if he goes away or I spook him, then I'm off to the next, you know, the next. Now, let's say I'm checking my trail cameras and nothing that I deem a shooter uh, is on trail camera. So this is where I stop or when I start popping into my historically good tree stand locations. And right now, I think I said in the last uh, podcast, I have three of them up right now. Um, one is in a, in one of my best or two of them actually are in the two best bedding areas that I have access to. So I am in a, I like to get my tree stands in pre pre hung uh, in those places, just so that I know that if I have a really good wind shift overnight, I don't have to worry about setting up a tree stand in the middle of the, you know, in, in the middle of the, of the night or uh, in the morning when it's dark. I know I can get to it. I know I can go there and uh, and everything's ready, set to go. And a lot of the times with these specific tree stands that are near bedding areas, um, one in particular I can hunt it in a straight north wind or I can hunt it in a straight south-southwest wind. Um, so I, I have some options, uh, a little play with that tree stand location, while a couple others, um, I need a southwest or a straight west 
west, southwest. I don't. I guess I don't want to get too west, but uh, west, southwest, southwest, not straight south. Um, and that tree stand is specifically for one trail coming into one bedding area that kind of the all the terrain and vegetation come to a point and there's a spur ridge that kind of leads up to it and that is a specific set that i I need a specific wind for um and that's where i shot my buck last year uh with a southwest wind in that bedding area now the other uh and i'll I'll be setting up a couple more of these as i get into um, this this cycle that i go through but another one is over a big ridge that pinches down because there's a uh, a creek that has eroded a lot of the the ridge away and then there's a cattle pasture on the other side of it and so what this does is it creates this huge pinch point that deer run through all the time and uh it's a perfect morning hunt and i need a south or a south I can get away with a little southeast or a little southwest, but uh, I like to get in there on a straight south if I can. And it's one of those spots where deer just kind of cruise. They're coming off the ag in the morning and they're going to their bedding areas up in the ridges or, you know, bucks are on the feet and they're cruising back and forth, back and forth, back and forth through this little pinch really all day. And I, I'm, I don't want to say all day because there's a a period somewhere between 11 o'clock and two o'clock or one o'clock in the afternoon where the movement through this pinch point just kind of stops. So it's a morning, it's, it's specifically a morning hunt. And then as the, uh, afternoon comes, you know, gets closer than I'm, I'm out of that stand and I go to something where the deer are going to be coming to ag. Right. So it's not necessarily historically, it hasn't been a very good uh, afternoon type of uh, set, but it is a really good morning set as the deer are coming off the ag and they're coming back into the big timber. Okay. So terrain features, right? If I get, and if let's say those, those three tree stands aren't producing, then it's when I start really throwing in the run and gun, right? I'm going to uh, terrain features that have produced over the years. Um, let's say I know deer bed up in here and I need to get in this ter- this uh, terrain feature where the deer are kind of coming back to their bedrooms uh, in the morning hunts or they're, you know, it's a terrain feature that leads up to an ag field that's really thick and nasty. I start playing that roulette wheel of terrain features and um basically i'm i'm trying to locate where the does are and hunt the terrain features that lead up into the ag to where these deer or where these does are going and to be honest with you that's you know what i've been talking about the last couple minutes is is somewhat high level right but if you boil all of this down what is the rut the rut is the breeding period for whitetails. And where do you want to hunt? You want to hunt where the does are at. And I'll tell you this right now, every buck that I've shot has been either on, you know, during they've been, it's been during the rut, right? I don't even know if I've ever shot. I may have shot one buck on October 28th in 2005 or six, but 
every other deer that I've shot has been November. A lot of that has to do with when I take my time off, but a lot of it has to do with it's the breeding season, man. And I'm, and I'm trying to put myself in the best position to let some does slide by me and have bucks follow right behind them. And, uh, that, that's, that's the boiled down version of how I feel I approach my, uh, my hunting strategy. And that's find where the does are and hunt these pockets of doe groups until you see something come through that, that you really like, um, whether that's an ag field or a terrain feature leading up into an ag field, or it's, um, it's a bedding area. And man, it's really, it can can be that simple if you want it to be. Put your wind blowing away from the bedding areas. Put your wind blowing um, away from where the does are going, not into the ag fields at all or into the food source or whatever that may be. And I think a guy could have pretty good success uh, during the rut if he plays his cards right, uh, doing, you know, doing these things. So... While I'm in my quote-unquote cycle, I am checking my trail cameras. I'm bouncing around to different stands. And one thing that I've noticed I've personally done wrong in the past is, and last year specifically, and I know I had a successful season last year because I killed a deer, but they're uh, out of my hit list bucks, I didn't have any encounters. Well, I had one encounter with my number one buck on November 12th, but I really wouldn't even call it an encounter. He was one ridge over. He was probably about 120 yards away. He's working his way up a ridge, but I saw him, right? So the next day I move in closer to that area and then I bounce around. I think for me, and I know this all the, it, a lot of this depends on where you hunt, how many acres you have access to, but I felt like maybe I was a little bit too mobile last year. I wasn't giving some of these spots enough time to have the deer themselves cycle through an area. So um, maybe I saw uh, saw a deer and then I went in and I didn't see him that night and I didn't see him that morning and then I was out. Well, there's sign, good sign in there. The does are in there. And um, I got trail camera pictures, you know, just a couple days ago of of deer coming through a specific area. And I think you should really put some time in that area. And especially if you don't know where the deer are going, I think that it may take a day or two or three to get, let the deer cycle back through some of these areas. Um, and really get a good idea of what deer are in said area. Because I think what my problem was last year, it was I would go in, I'd move, 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 move. And I didn't let myself, I guess, bear witness to what was actually in the area. I was only hunting for, uh, you know, I was hunting one area for, let's just say, a, a 10 to 12 hour window, really, from or maybe even a little bit longer than that, but from the time I got into the stand, let's say at 2, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and then I'd get out, and then I'd come back that next morning, and I'd hunt till 9, 10 o'clock, and that's it, right? And then I would move to another spot if it wasn't producing. So really, 
really what it what I needed to do, I feel, was reduce the number of places that I hunt and focus on the best possible places and not be as mobile to get a feel of what deer are in the area. And I think one thing that I don't like to do is not see deer when I hunt, but I think I, I really have to um, come to terms with the fact that I might not see a deer for a day or maybe even a day and a half. And then after that period, if I'm still not seeing any deer or any shooter deer in that area, then I can start thinking about, about moving, but not before that. So, um, a lot of that, yeah, again, a lot of that depends on what my trail cameras are showing me. So, um, I know I'm kind of all over the place on, on this episode. I'm just kind of shooting from the hip, um, talking as these ideas come into my head, but, um, but that's kind of how I am approaching this up, you know, this upcoming week. Uh, I am doubling down on access routes, right? And you have to, if you're, you're going to be hunting a tree stand location multiple times. If the wind, if you only have one tree stand location and the wind shifts, in my personal opinion, I feel your access route needs to shift as well. You can still probably hunt the same stand, but if your wind shifts, especially any any more than 90 you should be able to uh get into uh that stand with a new access route now one uh one thing that i was telling you earlier about one of my tree stands that is i can hunt on a straight south or a straight north wind i can get away with that uh that new or the same access route because my my wind is blowing basically in a line if that makes sense, right? It's going from the bottom to the top straight and I'm able to walk in at 90 degrees to that that tree stand location. So um, let me look at my notes here. Okay, so we talked about how I use cameras. We've talked about what I do if I don't have any trail camera data. Uh, we talked about uh, hunting terrain. We've talked about uh, my, my stands that are already hung. We've um, talked about being able to identify fresh sign and uh there's going to be a period here in the next week where this all this sign picks up and then these bucks they're going to start hitting uh, their first does and then the sign might slow down for a little bit and then as as they drop away from their first doe i think the sign's going to pick back up at, before they go back into their next doe find their finding their next does so um and, and one thing that I've seen a lot of people do already this year that always kind of, man, I, I've learned the hard way on this so many times, and that's blind calling. And I've seen a lot of people on Instagram and a lot of people on social media and even in other podcasts are like, yeah, put the horns together, put the horns together, grunt, snort, wheeze, do these things, get deer closer. Dude, be very careful with that because what is the first thing a deer going to do that you don't see and you call he's going to loop downwind to try to catch whatever scent and I am a huge fan of rattling in the right scenarios I'm a huge fan of calling in the right scenarios and um, the goal honestly should be to never have to call to a deer 
but to put yourself in the right position to where you're in the right terrain feature, you're near the bedding area, you're near the pinch point that the deer walk right by you. Um, you know, when I, when I think about it, rattling should be the last thing that I have to do. If I see a, a buck cruising down a ridge and let's say he's going to take a trail that's not within my shooting range, my first thing is a simple one grunt. And that's it. And until he hears me and then he's going to make his decision at that point to either come inspect what I'm doing or to keep going down the trail that he's already going. And, you know, maybe another grunt, maybe another grunt but I'm not going to just go brat, 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 like a motorbike in the timber to try to get their attention because they've heard it before. I mean, even in Iowa, there's, you know, I'm going to be going to my uh, farm down there. There's there, these deer are already going to be rattled at. They're already going to be grunted at. And uh, you just have to be very careful when, especially when blind calling, because they will come up behind you when you're not looking. And uh, even, even if it's, 30 minutes after you rattle, you know, oh, there's no deer here. There's no deer. Oh man, there's no deer. I'm going to rattle, set the antlers down, go back to, you know, you're, you're aware at that point. And then you go back to screwing around on your phone. You go back to daydreaming. You go back to closing your eyes. And the next thing you know, you got your target buck 20 yards behind you because he's come to investigate what he heard 30 minutes ago, but maybe he wasn't you know, looking for a big fight. Maybe he was laying some scrapes on the way or whatever. And then, you know, it's too late. You try to make a move on him, he's gone. Or he catches your scent and uh, it's over at that point. So be very careful with blind calling. Try to put yourself in the in the best position before so you don't have to. Uh, I would say for me, I always grunt first. Um, if, it, if their body language dictates it, I may snort wheeze at them and try to get their attention to see if they're a little bit aggressive. And then after that, man, the only time I'm really rattling these days is if I have seen no deer at all and it's been dead for, you know, a day or two and I might throw the horns together on a morning on a morning hunt just to get the woods woke up uh or if I see a deer a long ways away and I know he's not going to hear my grunt or he's going to hear my snort wheeze. I'll put the horns together and try to reach out and get his attention. But I'm not I'm not the guy who is rattling every 15 minutes during the rut. You know, oh, got to rattle, got to rattle, got to rattle. I, I think a lot of people mistake that with like the, it's just a it's a fishing lure, right? It it just doesn't work that way unfortunately. So, I'll be very careful with with your calling. And um other than that, man, just slow down and observe everything you see, because whether that information that you're observing helps you this year or it helps you in previous years, um, every time you get to take something away from a hunt or from a set or anything, really, it's good. You know, get as much data and information away from this hunting season as you can to make you a better hunter. And I'll tell you this right now. It sucks sometimes uh, when you've gone a day or two without seeing a deer that you that you really want to shoot, and um, 
you are frustrated and you're tired and all you want to do is get to the stand and, and close your eyes or you want to skip a hunt or something like that, just slow down. This is supposed to be fun, but at the same time, slow down and just observe. You don't need to run to the stand. You don't need to do all these th- crazy things. Just slow down and to be honest with you, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably already heard me talk about all this stuff before. You've heard about all these other people uh, talk about st- uh, strategy and tactics before. So you know what you need to do. It's just following through and doing it. So um, I think I'm going to end it on that. So huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to listen. I really appreciate that. Uh, good luck to each and every one of you. Make sure you're wearing your safety harnesses. Be very, be safe. Be aware of what you're doing. Be aware of what others are doing. Um, there's no buck in the world that is worth you know, injuring yourself or someone else. So be safe. Uh, huge shout out to all the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles. We have the Average Conservationist. They just became 2% for Conservation Certified. Vortex Optics, Ozonics, Wasp, and Lone Wolf Tree Stands. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what, these these companies are still taking orders. So if you need something, reach out to them. Tell them, hey, man, I, I, I need a tree stand or I need a binoculars or I need uh, whatever. Uh, they're more than willing to get it to you. And if you have questions, call these guys up, especially if like something breaks during the season. Th- these guys, they want to help you. They want to get new product in, in your hand, and uh, there's that. Other than that, be safe and good luck. I want everybody who hears this to reach out to me when you guys are successful, whether it's a doe, a spike, or a monster, and let me know how you did this season because I am as interested in what you guys are doing uh, as you guys are in me. So uh, thank you very much. Good luck. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.